0: chapter twenty-nine of the life of thomas lord cochrane by richard fox Bourne. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by timothy ferguson eighteen fifty-one to eighteen fifty-three the earl of Dundonald's time of service as admiral of the west indian and north american stations expired in april eighteen fifty-one on the thirty-first of december eighteen fifty sir francis baring wrote to inform him that sir george seymour had been appointed his successor it is with some regret said sir francis that i have performed this duty as it has been my pleasure to have been in communication with you and feel that an important command has been placed in the hands of an officer of your lordship's high professional character and merits you must permit me in making this announcement to add my sincere thanks for the manner in which you conducted the duties of your position and particularly for the valuable information you have communicated to the board and the attention you have paid to the many points you have brought before you Letter ends on the fourteenth of may lord dundonald left halifax and reached portsmouth at the beginning of june during the next few years his mind was much occupied with the further consideration of various topics suggested by his observations and explorations on the other side of the atlantic it will be enough to make brief allusion to the most important of these subjects of hearty regret to him repeatedly brought under his notice during the three years stay in the north american and west indian waters were the great depression of the british fisheries in the neighbourhood of newfoundland and yet greater depression of trade consequent on the remission of slavery in the more southern colonies for both he sought to provide a remedy he urged as has already been shown in the extracts from his journal which was published and attracted much attention in the summer of 1852 that special help should be given to these colonies not only by the removal of all restrictions upon their commerce and manufactures but by protective enactments in their favour his reasons for this view as regards the newfoundland fisheries in which he thought not alone of the interests of the colonists were set forth by him in a letter addressed to the times in august eighteen fifty two were not the question of maintaining our nurseries for seamen he said more important than commercial considerations i should not venture through your favour to trespass on public attention regarding the north american fisheries but perceiving that impressions are likely to be made by writers avoiding responsibility for erroneous opinions by withholding their names i felt it a duty explicitly to state that it is not the amount of fish caught and cured to the price at which it can be sold at home or abroad or to the number of persons employed in the fishery but to their nationality and vocation to which i attach importance in order that our fisheries shall form hardy british seamen in oceanic vessels like those employed under the bounties paid by north america and france these being the considerations the question is not whether it is consistent with the enlightened theory of free trade to pay a premium which shall transfer capital from the pockets of one class to those of another but whether it is wiser and more economical for the community at large to uphold such nursery or to maintain even a skeleton of warlike establishments perhaps to build equip and employ additional ships of war squadrons or fleets to watch perchance contend with power thus cheaply developed by rival nations i ask whether the bounty given to enable steam packets to cross the ocean is more consistent with free-trade principles than a bounty awarded to our fisheries as a nursery for seamen a colonial premium is indeed talked of and by those unacquainted with facts who do not foresee its operation it may be deemed a substitute for a bounty by the parent state but i advisedly assert that such colonial premium would not rear one disposable seaman for our naval service and that even the colonial fishermen would derive no commensurate advantage such is the impoverishing effect of the inveterate system of truck-dealing that boat-fishermen even from the harbour of the capital of newfoundland are chiefly paid by daily wages the advantages derived from the employment of two idle fishermen being greater to the truck-master in the absence of an available market than the like amount of fish caught by one customer it is manifest by the true theory of free trade that it is unimportant whether the french and americans obtain their bait and catch fish within our limits or not or even whether the world is supplied by them or by us but it is not so if foreign nations thereby rear employ and maintain in time of peace fifty thousand seamen who in the event of war are at the beck of their respective governments while britain the rightful owner has not one available seaman from the fisheries on subjects of such vital importance it is essential that general theories however good shall not be supported in detail by false reasoning or by captivating appellations inconsistent with the truth nine-tenths of our western colonies are still taxed on every article of food and on all existing property animate and inanimate a state of things alike adverse to production and trade is it reasonable to imagine if the interests of colonists are not considered jointly with those of the parent state that they can continue to administer to our wants comforts and luxuries above all to our commercial nursery for seamen the source of our national greatness a parliamentary investigation is indispensable to afford a chance of escape to these noble possessions of the crown from impending ruin letter ends for the relief of the west indian colonies lord dundonald was anxious to obtain the intervention of parliament but he believed that he himself had discovered one source of possible advancement for them his remarks concerning the pitch lake of trinidad have already been partly quoted having first explored the lake in the beginning of eighteen forty nine he at once recognised the importance of its stores of bitumen and much of his leisure from official duties was employed in observations and experiments with a view to its being utilized he was soon convinced as to its great and various importance the decomposed bitumen that lay in vast beds around the lake he found exceedingly valuable as a manure and he perceived that the liquid mass of which boundless supplies might be obtained could be put to many very valuable uses here he discerned the presence of a new material of commerce which might prove of incalculable benefit not only to trinidad but to all the other west india islands therefore he urged its employment and though but little heed was paid to his advice the successful results of the few cases in which it was adopted fully justify his opinions after his return to england he also sought zealously to make his discovery beneficial to himself he was to a great extent baffled by the obstacles common to new projects but his projects afford curious illustration of the activity of his mind and the fertility of his inventive powers used as a mastic he said in a concise enumeration of the uses to which he found that the bitumen might be put it is peculiarly suited to unite and ensure the durability of hydraulic works it renders the foundations and superstructure of buildings impermeable to humidity it is admirably adapted by its resistance to decomposition by the most powerful solvents to the construction of sewers and being tasteless it is an excellent coating to water-pipes aqueducts and reservoirs when masticated and prepared it is a substitute for costly gums as applied to numerous purposes combined with a small portion of ligneous matter it constitutes a fuel of greater evaporating power than coal and when pulverized and scattered over growing potato plants or other vegetables it prevents their destruction by insects or blight and acts as a fertilizer of the soil essential and viscid oils are obtained by various well-known processes from bituminous substances, but none in such abundance and possessing such valuable properties as the oils extracted from the bitumen of the Lake of Trinidad, as well as from the petroleum of springs still in activity. Reader's Note Footnote. The following patents for the use of the Trinidad bitumen were taken out by Lord Dundonald. 1851 improvements in the construction, and manufacture of sewers, drains waterways pipes reservoirs and receptacles for liquids or solids and the making of columns pillars capitals pedestals bases and other useful and ornamental objects from a substance never heretofore employed for such manufacture eighteen fifty two improvements in coating and insulating wire eighteen fifty two improving bituminous substances thereby rendering them available for purposes to which they never heretofore have been successfully applied eighteen fifty three improvements in producing compositions or combinations of bituminous, resinous and gummy matters, and thereby obtaining products useful in the arts and manufactures, 1853, improvements in apparatus for laying pipes in the earth and in the juncture of such pipes, the observations on the long-desired yet still unaccomplished proceeding, whereby to effect the embankment of the Thames and free the river from pollution by the Earl of Dundonald, are especially interesting at the present time it will probably be admitted that the thames above bridge is unnecessarily broad unless considered as a recipient for backwater and that the long margin of shallow water between london bridge and that of Vauxhall is of little importance even for that purpose as gravel sand and other substances may advantageously be removed from the central bed of the river fully to compensate for the water that would be excluded by an embankment of one-sixth on both sides of the channel an easy method of accompanying this object would be to cut a ditch on each shore equidistant from the centre and fill it with bituminous concrete within this a main sewer might be excavated and constructed in like manner of conglomerated gravel and sand from the spot it will of course occur that roads may be carried over the entrances of the various docks by swing bridges yet these entrances present obstacles TO A DIRECT LINE OF SEWERS. TO ENABLE THE DIFFICULTY TO BE OVERCOME, VERY SOLID TUNNELS, floored WITH HARD PAVEMENT STONES, SET IN BITUMEN, MAY BE CAUSED TO DESCEND IN SUBVERTED CURVES BELOW THE ENTRANCES OF THE DOCKS, WHERE ALL MATTERS DEPOSITED MAY OCCASIONALLY BE REMOVED BY seesaw LOCOMOTIVE DREDGES ON WHEELS, WORKED EITHER BY MECHANICAL POWER OR BY THE CURRENT ACTING DIRECTLY ON THE DREDGE. Reader's NOTE FOOTNOTE ends while this urging of the importance of bitumen and initiating many mechanical operations which have quickly and extensively been turned to the great advantage of society lord dundonald was not unmindful of his older inventions and the arguments by which he had long sought to promote the naval strength of england of these inventions one in particular that of his improved steam-boilers had been largely adopted and found beneficial during his absence from england and its use continued after his return from them he hoped and not in vain that good would result to the general extension of naval science he was cheered during the last years of his life by seeing the adoption of many of the views on these matters which he had advocated long before others have yet to be enforced end of chapter 29 recording by timothy ferguson gold coast australia